Amen. Can we open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 3? I read from verse 1 to 12. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walking and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Amen. Our Father, we thank you. We give you praise for today. Father, we thank you because you've been with us throughout today's service. Thank you because you're going to continue with us and everything that I'm going to share. You would help sink down to the spirits of your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are going to be speaking about a topic that is titled The Threefold Commitment of God. The Threefold Commitment of God. I have shared this once in a family gathering with my family. Not using this particular passage, but it's what the Lord has laid on my heart to speak about today again. Using a different story. You will find that if you go through the entire Bible, God is committed to some things. And the reason why it's important for us to examine this is simply because everyone wants God to be committed to them. Every human being wants God on their side. If you walk into a bar today, and you pick up a microphone and ask, how many of you want God on your side? Nobody is going to keep their hands down. Everyone, no matter the setting or the place or the environment that you step into, wants God on their side, irrespective of the God that they know. Even if it's just the idea or the concept of a supreme being 
Some people might even call it fate. That's F-A-T-E, not F-A-I-T-H. But they want things to go well for them. I mean, the expression that we use commonly today, God no go shamos, is born from the simple fact that every young person, whether they know Jesus or not, wants things to go for them. That expression simply means that in whatever you are doing, that there will not be embarrassment, that there will be some form of favor, that you will not go through shame. That God won't fall your hand. I was speaking to my barber yesterday and he was giving me a very incredible testimony of something that happened at the shop. And he said when his boss called him, he has been going through a loss like most people are. And his boss called him and was telling him that um, how many hairs, how many people's hair has he caught, one thing, one thing. So essentially he is placed on salary instead of commission, which is a scam for any skilled labor. And it's been really hard for him. And this man has been cutting my hair since I was in GS2. So I know him well. He told me yesterday that he's moving to Ivory Coast. And I'm very sad because he's tired of our economic situation. Anyway, but where I'm going with this is he said his boss called him and was like, she can't pay him salary. Called him during the um, salary. And said so she can't pay him salary because from her list, he hasn't caught enough um, hair. The month had not ended. No, the month has ended. I mean, the month ended yesterday. Salah was a while back. And he told me there, he said, the response he gave to her was, there's nothing God cannot do. And he was telling me as I was cutting my hair that between that day and me, I was sitting down there. He has caught over 32 people's hair. Simply because he said he just believed that God will not shame him in this matter. And I really appreciated what he said. But the thing is, you would find throughout scripture that as much as human beings want God to be committed to them, God is not committed to man in the way that we think. God is only committed to those men who are in line with the things that he is primarily committed to. He's not just committed to human beings at random. And those are the things that I'm going to speak about today. Threefold commitment of God. The first is that God is committed to showing his glory. God is committed to showing his glory. Let me explain what was going on here you see god had a plan think about the early church this miracle here is as significant as what happened at the marriage in cana do you know why because yes the spirit of god had already come upon the church yes they had already started to fellowship together after peter preached that message that attracted so many people But at this point in time, God's design for the church breaking out and reaching others in Jerusalem had to be activated by something. You can imagine that from the process or from the standpoint of the Jews and the Jewish hierarchy, the elders and the chief priests, they've succeeded in killing Jesus. 
the battle is over. What was the major thing that Jesus did to them? Jesus upset their narrative in public, backed up with signs and wonders. So at this point in time, yes, the Holy Spirit had come and they had all broken out in diverse tongues, but they were still constricted. They were still constricted to their fellowship. It hadn't broken out yet properly. It had broken out to those who were passing that morning, but it hadn't broken out in such a way that the chief priests and the elders will realize that, yes, they killed Jesus, but Jesus is not actually gone. So God had to do something that would bring them back to knowing that they have not solved this problem. Jesus actually made or created a worse problem for them by giving bread to himself in those people that were following him. So what did God do? God decided to do something at the temple. It was at the gate of the temple, at a place where it could not be hidden, at a place where there could not be there could not be any denial that yes, this thing happened. And that's why after this story, you see the next thing that happened was Peter and John had to go before the chief priests because they realized that the problem that they thought they had solved was still there. So it wasn't enough for the church to simply just fellowship in chapter 2. Something had to happen in chapter 3 that would kickstart what God actually wanted to do. So what did God do? A man who had never walked in his life stood up and started walking. He had to be a man that hadn't walked in his life. He had to be a man that man and human beings are totally and completely rejected. Because the Bible says that when he came into the temple walking, everybody knew that he was the man that sat at the gate. Why? Because he has probably been sitting at that gate for decades. This is an unfortunate situation. Something that in the eyes of man, you will look at it and say, ah, is God not unfair? Remember the person that when Jesus was about to heal, the disciples said, who sinned, his father or his mother? And Jesus said, none of them sinned. It is so that what the glory of God will be revealed. The first thing that God is committed to is to show him his glory. And he will not compromise that for anything. Whether it's an unfortunate circumstance, whether it's something in your life, or in the life of someone that you know, that people have written off, or people think, this is unfair, this doesn't make sense. Why do you find yourself in this situation? Why was I born in this kind of family? Why do I have this kind of parents? Why am I surrounded by this kind of problems or issues? God is not committed to man in the way that he will not give you problems, or he will not let things come to you that are stressful. God is not committed to man in the way that his life would be a smooth ride. That's not God. God thrives. He thrives. He thrives in showing his glory every time. And sometimes the way he would show his glory is in a situation that is deemed to be unfortunate. In a situation that when man looks at it, man will say, 
man, the God that let this thing happen to this person, that God is not fair. God doesn't care. He doesn't look at things that way. This man had not walked in his life and God knew. And he was placed there strategically for one day that Peter and John will pass by and that was the day that his healing was going to come. First thing to show forth his glory. Second thing that God is committed to is to fulfilling his word. God is committed to his word more than his name. So the question to ask is, what gave Peter and John the confidence? <coughs> what gave them the confidence to do this? What gave them the confidence to go out and do this? It's very simple. It's because during the course of the life of Christ, when he was going, he told them some things. He told them that anything you ask the Father in my name, that I will do. He told them that if two of them are gathered together and they request anything from him, he will do it. When he was leaving them and he was giving them instructions on what to go and do, he said what? And when you lay your hands on the sick, they will recover. So Peter and John were doing this because a word has been spoken. And God is always committed to his word. Always. So this man had to walk. He didn't really have any choice in the matter because at the point when Peter and John stopped and stood in front of him and took that action by saying, Silver and gold, I have none, but what I have I will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. The minute he invoked that name, heaven is obligated to act. I said obligated. I mean, heaven didn't have a choice in the matter. He had to walk. There's something that Daddy has taught us a lot here. And what we may not understand is that there's another step to the revelation of this truth. And one of the things that he has said is in heaven, in the hierarchy of God, God the Father speaks, God the Son does, God the Holy Spirit manifests what God the Father has and what the God the Son has done. Do you know that that applies to you and I too? Do you know that because in the Godhead, the person we are patterned after is the Son? We are his siblings. We are co-heirs with Christ. So in the Godhead, the person we resemble is Jesus. And that's the reason why in the end we are revealed as his bride. Because if you look at Adam and Eve, God could only take a rib out of Adam to create Eve. So essentially, Adam and Eve are made from the same substance. In the same way, Christ and the church are made from the same substance. What that means is that in that hierarchy, it is also our place to do. And it is the place of the Holy Spirit to respond to whatever it is that we declare done. So as his children, if we do not 
do according to his word. We're not taking our place. And God is not committed to you flimsily. He's committed to the fulfilling of his word. It's not by crying. Nobody can bamboozle God with emotions. Because God doesn't respond to our emotions. He responds to us acting on his word. Because he is always committed to fulfilling what he has said. And that's the second commitment of God. And the third commitment of God is God is committed committed to making people believe in him. He's always committed to making people believe in him. So in this miracle, there were two sets of people that God wanted to reach. The first was the man himself that needed to walk. Because after Peter and John spoke those words, Peter still had to help his faith by doing what? By stretching forth his hand and pulling him up. Because if Peter did not pull him up, he probably might not have walked because he has not walked in his life. He doesn't know what walking feels like. So Peter had to help him and pull him up. And he stood and he started to walk. But the second set of people that God had plans for that day were the people in the temple. And the Bible says in verse 12, it says, And when Peter saw it, he saw what that miracle had caused. And Peter said and responded to them, saying, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us, as though by our own power and godliness we have made this man walk? What did Peter do there? He took all the attention from himself and he diverted it back to God, refusing to take any glory for the actions, but also using it as an opportunity to make sure that men came to believe in Jesus. If the things that you are asking God for as a human being do not fall in line with these three, God is not committed to you. He's not committed to you. And a lot of times we've been taught, and a lot of people are in churches that make them believe that just because you're giving your life to Jesus, that every whim and desire of your heart that you pray, that God is obligated to answering you, He's not. That's not what he does. Because you have to. God is only committed to making people believe in him. So he's committed to you acting in faith. Faith that is in line with his word that is willing to fulfill. So that at the end of the day, his glory will be brought out of whatever situation that you are in. When those three things are in sync, God will act. But what we find today is a lot of people are desiring things for God, from God, for themselves. It's truly for them. And God does not do anything for man. Not in that way. If it's for you, and for you alone, God is not committed to doing it. Because he has to be in line with his word. And he has to be in line with showing forth his glory. 
And he has to be in line with people coming to him, people believing in him, strengthening your faith and the faith of others in him. Those are the only things that God is going to get to. Because those are the only things that push forward his will. Nothing else does. And if you check from Genesis to Revelation, you would find that these are always the things that God is committed to. You have some conversations with people and they, they don't understand this God because they think that God is a moralistic God. They think that God is a God that looks at fairness the way we human beings look at fairness from the external. He is not that kind of God. Someone was speaking to me and was telling me he was telling me about the King James Bible. And he was talking to me and he was telling me about Billy, you know, the King James Bible, like if you read the history of Henry, King Henry, and all the things that happened that happened in them. So basically, people do this thing where they do research and they now start looking at the flaws in those people's character. Like, how can such a man, how can such a man be the one that facilitated the making of this Bible that we're reading? So basically, the man's life compromises the authenticity of the Bible. And the next thing I told him is, do you at least believe the like Old Testament from a historical point of view? Says yes. I said, do you know the Old Testament is riddled with blood and battles? Do you know how gory? If they made a movie of Old Testament stories, it would be bloody. Like God is not moral in that sense that you are thinking. Because God is not committed to human life the way you think he is. Because he is God, you are truly nothing to him. So am I. The only human beings that God is committed to are those that have placed themselves in a position where they are committed to the things that he is committed to. So as a result of that, he is committed to them. It's not just about whatever moralistic thing that we think. Because that's not the way he moves. He's not that kind of God. And most people don't understand God. That is why we find ourselves in the situations that we're in today. Let us rise up. Let's rise up.